Hello, everyone, and welcome back to RPG R&D. I am one of your hosts, Jess Geyer. I'm one half of one of you games, and I make tabletop role-playing games. And I'm here with my co-host, as always, Craig Campbell. Hello, Craig. Hi, Jess. I am Craig Campbell. I am also a tabletop role-playing game designer, um, the owner of Nerdburger Games. I reversed those this time. Did you catch that? I did. Um, I'm shaking it up. <laughs> um, and we are here, as always, with a guest. Hello, Eddie. Thank you for coming back. Hello. I'm here waving at the camera, like, which makes for great audio. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, tell us about yourself. Oh, right. Yes. The introduction thing. Oh, my God. I, it's been so long. Sorry. Um, uh, Eddie Webb, pronouns are he, him. Um, I am a self-employed freelancer, game designer. I've been working in the industry for over 20 years. Uh, I am Best, my information is best found at pugsday.com. I work a lot with Onyx Path Publishing, uh, Darker Hue Games. Um, and also I have a creator-owned game, which is Realms of Pugmire, my game of dogs and cats in a far future world that secretly think it's a fantasy world. I love it. Thank you again for coming back on the show. Thank you. Although I, it, it, it seems like I'm, I'm, I'm missing a step here for some reason. I don't know. It's like it, nah. it's, it's, you're oh, good. Wow, I don't know. <laughs> this is a very casual podcast. This is this is by no means NPR's morning edition. So. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, I'm, just, I'm just so used to the cadence of like doing all the instructions at the end of the podcast. So it's always like, oh wait, I'm gonna do it at the beginning. It's right, you guys do it. You do it different structured and get all that sorted out. No, you'll do some plugs at the end anyway. True, true, true. So today we're talking about. Uh, rectifying big mistakes as a GM. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how I'm going to contribute to the conversation because I've never made a mistake in my life. So <laughs> Craig, Craig, as someone who has a little bit more expertise in the middle. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> I as thought I, was, I already said the basis, joke. Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I already said the joke at the beginning. I had to twist it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Craig, why don't you go ahead and introduce our topic for us? Give us a little uh, rundown. Yeah. Um, GMing is a complex kind of thing, It, you know, uh, outside of just one shots. And to be honest, even in one shots, you can run into this. But especially with campaign play, you've got a lot to juggle as a GM. You're you're keeping track of the characters and what they're capable of and all your mm -hmm. world and NPCs and plot arcs and everything. And there can be times that you make mistakes. And those mistakes can come in the form of well-planned mistakes like where you decided to go a certain direction and then that just dis does not work at all um or do you you know you you come up with something on the fly um improvising during the game and then suddenly you know at some point thereafter that later that session sessions down the road you discover oh that was a very bad idea to do that that's like that's taken the campaign and done some things to it and uh, impacted everything in a way that I don't want and I don't think the players would want. So how can we fix those sorts of things as a GM? Right. Burn to the ground, start over. <laughs> that would Brand be an even bigger mistake. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> Change your Eddie, name, move to a different country, you know. <laughs> Eddie, I'm curious why you chose this topic out of our topics. Well, because for a couple of reasons, um, one of which is that I, I have – absolutely made mistakes unlike you jess i, I frequently make mistakes and oh i i, I, I also frequently struggle. make mistakes <laughs> um but also uh the other reason why i want to talk about it is because 
so many new game masters I'm chatting with them who have either never started or just starting are terrified of making mistakes. That's like one of the big barriers for getting into the hobby, it seems, is as helpful as shows like Critical Role have been to increase awareness of our hobby, it also has set an artificially high expectation of how a game should be run. And I know I've had conversations with people effective like unless you are a group of professional actors and literally making a television show do not hold yourself to those standards even if you're doing a stream do not hold yourself to those standards you, sh you should have rooms to just to screw up and and so i thought it was cool to kind of maybe talk through some some different some dumb methods and and whatnot and how we can do it because uh at the end of the day no matter how well you plan these this is improv right this is an improvisational hobby and all improvs have 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 gaffes and errors. That to me, that's actually part of the fun is is finding those. I I think that you're spot on with that. Like people are I was afraid to make mistakes when I was entering the hobby too, but as a player, mm -hmm. I was afraid to make mistakes. I was afraid to say something wrong, do something wrong, because unlike like when you're writing a story, it feels like there's no there's no erasing what you just said. You said it, so you said it and we'll mm -hmm. move on. In fact, a lot of GMs kind of treat their table like that. Like, oh, you said the thing. You said you shot a fireball at them. You can't just say right. no, wait, wait, and then rewind it. Like, we'll talk about that later, I'm very sure. But we also have to keep in mind that critical, like the people in critical role, that's like literally their their job. They don't have like their job is to do this thing. They're making lots and lots of money off of it. And you are probably not making lots and lots of money and having a whole like hours and hours and hours of on end to practice, to prepare. You don't have writers. You don't have professional mm -hmm. actors. Like you don't have all of that. And even if you did, do you think that people, do you think like Matt Mercer never makes mistakes? You don't think that he ever does something where his fans, like the people watching think, I didn't like that. Or that the players think like, oh, that was kind of a mistake. I'm sure that that has happened in the long career of critical oh, yeah. role. <laughs> right. And um, I a lot of times when I, I think about this, um, I think about um, what is to me uh, the epitome, uh, the apex of improvisational art form, which is professional wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, you think about it like pro wrestling, I mean – it, you know, yes, it's all real to me, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, we all know now that it is a fixed sport. It is not scripted per se. And not in the fact that literally everything that happens in the ring is predetermined, but the, and the results are predetermined. But how you get from point A to the end of that match, a lot of things happen in the middle, and sometimes mistakes happen. Uh, and to be honest, sometimes those mistakes have debilitating effects. They could seriously yeah. injure an opponent, right? So, when you think about that, it's like, okay, so when these professionals, when they make a mistake, they have someone else's life on the line. A mistake in a tabletop role-playing game seems a lot less concerning. It's like, you know, you, you, met, you maybe, you know, worst case scenario, someone didn't have a fun time. You know, that's probably, you know, the worst you're really looking at. So it's it's not that big of a deal. So I try to kind of reframe it that everyone makes mistakes. This happens to everybody. Um, and the idea of a perfect tabletop session that goes off without a hitch and never does anything uh, uh, problematic or concerning is both A, unrealistic, and to be honest, B, boring. Yeah. If you knew actually everything's going to happen, that's dull. Why play it? I agree. I, I think that you're definitely going to – you should plan plan for the mistakes ahead of time, and that will reduce the impact of them too. That's why mm -hmm. we have safety tools. 
for example. Yep. That's why we have safety tools because we're planning. We're planning for the possibility that something will happen in your game that will be, you know, deleterious to the game. You are planning for that in advance so that when it happens, because the longer you play, the more of a potential you have for a topic to be broached that wasn't supposed to be broached or people didn't know was a trigger or whatever it ends up happening. Now that, you know, hopefully unintentionally, uh, right. Right. <laughs> because we're all being respectful human beings, but we're planning in advance and you can also plan in advance for your other mistakes. Now, Eddie, you said, I, you said that you, the worst that could happen in a game, like making a mistake as a GM is that yeah. a player is going to have a bad time. Yeah. I actually think that the worst thing that can happen when you make a mistake, like when we're just talking about like a mistake in your GMing or something like that, not mm-hmm. when you're, you know. Yes, take all of that with with the mistake mistake is that you feel so upset about it as the GM that you lose all of your you lose all of the thrill in running the game and you stop you stop doing it because you're like, how am I going to get around this? Like I accidentally said like this stupid thing about this character. I don't know what I'm going to do. I I Mm -hmm. completely tanked my game like, oh, no, I can't come back from it. Oh, no, I like that's the worst thing that can happen. So planning, planning for it. That's fair. That's fair. And so, like, for me, I mean, there's, there's a few different ways you can kind of handle that. And the, the, the one that I think is both the easiest and the one that almost nobody ever thinks of is just fess up. Just admit it. <laughs> it is, I've had a few games where I've been like, uh, either in the middle of a session, although usually it's the next day, it's like, okay, so before we start, just so you know, I made a mistake. I walked them through the mistake, and then I walked them through to... Uh, uh, either if I have a proposed fix, I just say this is how I'm going to fix it, or if it's the I'm not sure how to fix it, I put some options on the table for the players to discuss. So make sure that they have a, just decide how they want to uh, uh, approach it. Um, so, for example, I was running a mystery game, uh, a vampire mystery game, and uh, one of the characters I had in my head confused the person that was supposed to be the murderer they were trying to seek. And a, an NPC that they accidentally killed. Um, and so it, it, and it turns out they were the same person. And so they actually murdered the person they were trying to find. And I, I missed those in my head. And afterwards, it's like, oh, man, that was actually the other person because they were in disguise. It was a complicated story. It's a vampire. You know how it goes. <laughs> uh, and so I was like, so um, you accidentally murdered the person who was supposed to, you're supposed to find. So I could do it one of two ways, um, which is – you realize this, and then we can go th- play through the consequences of that, or we can say that there's another secret layer um, uh, of the person manipulating that person that you can then go chase down and find. And the players really appreciated that because, yes, it took away some of the quote-unquote mystery of it, um, but I didn't want them to spend several sessions chasing their tail only to realize that there's nothing there, right? It's, it's like it, it's not just a single red herring. You've walked into a red herring canning factory. There's nothing but red herrings, you know? <laughs> uh, uh, and so they appreciated me just laying on the table. And it's like, here's how we can possibly solve that. But but to your point, Jess, like I was nervous for leading up to that. I'm like, how, are they going to be okay? Are they gonna be mad at me? And Nobody was. No, nobody was mad. They, they, they think they were like, oh, thank you for letting us know, and let's talk about it. Um, and ultimately, I think we decided to kind of just wrap it up. It's like, okay, you know what? Um, we had a good time. Let's wrap it up. Let's, 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 let's you know, use this time to go ahead and think about what next game we're going to play. And no one was mad about it. It was just the, that's how we decided to handle that. So not obviously the ideal solution in that regard, but 
it moved the conversation from I have made a mistake and therefore ruined the game to, okay, that was unplanned. So what way can we now have fun as a group? Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I love the idea of presenting those options. I think definitely fess up is number one. Mm -hmm. uh, another one that I have done that works really well is uh, just roll with it. Um, play it where it lies, as it were, where you you make a mistake and that's just in the world now. Um, it's it, especially if the mistake is not blocking, right? Like, I mean, obviously, if you accidentally murdered your your murder suspect, that kind of ends the campaign. But uh, if you are doing something like, okay, well, they were supposed to meet up in, say, the library, but uh, uh, the scene that I wanted to have happen, they're going to the school instead, and they're not going to get to that scene. Um, and I didn't, I I inadvertently got those directions confused. Uh, yeah, just you know, move that scene over to the new place and have it happen there instead. Quickly rewrite it, quickly adjust it, but just kind of move the set piece in front of them to to let them know, um, and just kind of go from there. Or you know, uh, I, this person's name used to be X, and I accidentally said it was Y. Now it's like their name is Y. It's just how it is now. Whatever, <laughs> for whatever reason, their name has changed. Uh, and just just kind of roll with that. My favorite one though is uh, um, I was running a Cyberpunk 2020 game back in the day, and uh, I mixed up, I copy pasted um, the wrong setting description. Uh, and there were two roughly identical alleys, but what happened was I in both of them I had a reference to a black cat walking across, kind of just a little atmospheric thing. The players immediately noticed. That the exact same black cat walked across two completely different alleyways oh, no. and started just going, that black cat is a spy. It's some kind of cyber animal. It's <laughs> a spy on us. And I was just like, yes, that is completely true now. <laughs> that is absolutely what is going on. Please murder that cat so we can move on. <laughs> um, another variation on like if you if you do something in the middle of the game that – um, clearly, you know, you you realize in the moment or shortly after is a is a mistake. Um, is you can and like we think about that, like as as you're talking about these, I'm thinking about like different media, like TV mm -hmm. shows and movies and everything, where they do exactly that, like they, where mm -hmm. like something happens and then they solve it the exact same way that you're solving. Mm -hmm. You're talking about solving where they there's also like just not talking about it ever again. Like yes. you bring something up mm -hmm. and it suddenly you realize like that was a misstep. I shouldn't have done that. Um, you can just be like, okay, well, I'm just never going to bring that up again. This is, I here's my, here's my story. Um, <laughs> GMing a game where I had created, uh, you know, planned for this long campaign arc of having this um, spy and tr uh, secret, you know, trade secret. Um, ring that was like trading information about nations and this is a DD game trading for information about nations and and monarchs and powerful npcs and there was going to be this big and they were all there's four different parts of it and they were all named after different the four each of the four winds right there was um which, like they're invisible and they're there and they're a force of nature and blah 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 you know and the, and the four winds as described you know in, in the greek uh, mythology and everything and the way they're named and had this whole thing and then the overall organization and I had it written down a bunch of times and I never said it out loud and I never told anybody about it until I brought it up in the game the organization I named the silent wind mm. and that turned into nothing but fart jokes fart jokes fart jokes fart jokes and then in the next game session that wasn't the big bad organization anymore it was never mm. talked about again because if I renamed it 
like you, Eddie was talking about, you can like rename something. Nope. It's still going to hang over. Like that's just going to become, it's going to be a joke that comes up every time that, you know, this was called the, you know, so uh, yeah, that, that, uh, that whole campaign ended up with a completely different, you know, bad guy structure and organization and, and arc because so I funny. never, I never thought about the silent, but deadly joke, which <laughs> is not a joke that I normally make. I mean, but and- I was at a table full of people, and all it took was just one person to be like, right. <clears throat> right. and that was it. <laughs> I mean, it, it depending on the tone of your game, something like that. I was really going work. for serious. I was yeah. going for serious. <laughs> this was supposed to be super mysterious, and like this right. organization that was really difficult to deal with. And yeah, right. That's right. so. My, my, I'm my, sorry my that happened to you. That's my okay. similar brief story was um uh, I was running a, a, a Deadwood uh, a Wild West game. Um, and I just used a random name generator, wasn't thinking at the time because I was in the middle of the game. Um, and they look, I'm looking for a criminal. And so I, I uh, randomly rolled up a name and started saying, oh, yeah, so the criminal's name is Big Dick Johnson. And that lasted about 15 seconds before yeah. I was like, let me just rename that real quick right here while we're talking. <laughs> Um, yeah. But but to your point about other media, it, it, it's um, particularly if you look at other kind of perpetually ongoing media, you can see other things like this: um, uh, soap operas, uh, superhero comic books, things where there's not a clean kind of beginning and end. Uh, you do see things like uh, uh, you know subplots that just disappear off the face of the earth, or people that come back under different names. Um, all these tactics exist in other media too. Like I know uh, I was reading. A run of the Defenders comic by Marvel, uh, and there's uh, a subplot that was teased for like 15, 16 issues, and then it just never goes anywhere. The, um, the X-Men in the 90s were notorious for introducing plot hooks that just – like who was the the Exitrator you know, that Bishop was supposed to be finding? You know, uh, yeah, eventually it was Gambit, but I was clearly shoehorned in. You know, it's um, – these things happen, and uh, one thing I have learned, especially if you're running like – uh, every month or you know longer iterations between game sessions people forget stuff and so yeah, yeah just put it to the memory hole of like yeah we'll just you know i won't mention it in my recap and then we can just kind of move on and if they do remember it, it it gets remembered you can you can treat it the same way you treat that sort of thing in a tv show you know tv series or or movie series or whatever mm-hmm. where it's just like okay that's an interesting tip that's a little bit of trivia like mm-hmm. somebody yeah. will ask at the end of the campaign hey whatever happened to You'd be like, yeah, I, 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 that was a, that was a misstep. I shouldn't have introduced that, so I just abandoned it. So it was just like a character that was introduced. It was you're, you, Chuck Cunningham, right? You just had the had the character on the show for a while, and then they, they one day they went upstairs with their basketball and never came back down again. <laughs> that is the, for the record. That is the last time Chuck Cunningham was ever seen on the, on Happy Days was walking upstairs with his basketball. I've done that a lot in in games. Like, ooh, I actually don't want this. I'm just gonna. We're just going to pretend it doesn't, it didn't happen. We're never going to mention it again. And I have, I don't think I've ever been caught. I don't think <laughs> if it's not, if it's not the main plot and I don't have a player that's rigorously, vigorously taking notes, I'm not going to get caught. And you, you will also forget things too, as the GM, Um, especially, you know, you have like, like Eddie said at the beginning, you have a lot, there's a lot going on. Or was that Craig? One of you said there's, you have a yeah. lot to balance. Yeah as a as a gm and you're gonna forget things and the players are gonna get forget things and even if you do get caught you can be like yeah i just was hoping you would never mention that again that was a mistake let's move on i know that some people don't want to like they don't want to do the retcon they don't want to just like 
suddenly shift things. They want to keep this, like, the the mask on. They want to keep the mm-hmm. wizard behind the curtain. You could also throw in some overused tropes, like, oh, it was all a dream. Or <laughs> it was a vision. They're, like, one of the coolest scenes in the Twilight movies is when, spoilers for a very, very old movie and book series, Alice just imagines, or she doesn't imagine, she's having a vision, a huge war between the vampires, <laughs> and it's just a vision in, in the end. None of those people actually died. We can prevent all this from happening. Or it was a trick. We were we were all under the influence of the weird brain changing fog whatever it was i mean you can pick you can pick a tone for that suits your game but sometimes it's just not like with a mystery game gosh that's because that's really hard like murder mysteries are super hard and plot holes and overcoming plot holes or you know avoiding red herrings accidentally or avoiding making the mystery unsolvable um Mm. i think at that point you'd like and then and then presenting those ideas to your players without ruining the mystery that can be a lot harder like Eddie said you might have to then take a brainstorming session to figure out well okay i made this mistake we corrected it at the table now they kind of know what's happening so i'm going to need to i'm going to need to surprise them in another way but right. i think most people can move on from that yeah, and I mean, again, there's even media that can kind of help you in those situations. I mean, Twin Peaks, for example. I mm. mean, uh, infamously kind of was always shifting who killed Laura Palmer and, and, and moving them around. And actually the game that arguably the show kind of went off the rails when they actually solved the mystery. But, you know, you could just – yeah, you said you could do that stuff to kind of shift things around. I mean, I have learned that whenever I do a mystery these days is I – intentionally have like two or three options uh so that way if one of them gets torpedoed then i can move it to another one um but certainly for smaller where the mystery is not the core of the story where it's kind of a, a subplot um i usually don't even write an ending right uh i'll just be like whatever the player whatever scenario the players come up with and think is the answer i twist it slightly and say here's the actual answer it's like you're mostly right just one little piece that i changed last second but otherwise you got it right um, because then they feel smart for solving it, but then I don't have to worry about them breaking anything because there's nothing to break. Um, I think that's smart. I think that's a smart yeah. way to do it. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of like, you know, genuinely, I mean, like, another one's rules, right? Like another one's like, um, I have made a mistake. I, I, I've made an interpretation of the rules. And uh, I I feel like most people are fine with the small in the moment. Oh, I, that number was supposed to be blah, change that. That doesn't need to be an issue. But when you get to the bigger if I had read this rule correctly, this character would be alive. Kind yeah. of mistake, right? And I feel like a lot of these still apply. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do the just fess up. You know what? Hey, this would have killed this character if I had written this correctly, but they weren't alive. So let's talk through the options. You can narratively kind of occlude it where like um, you thought they were dead, but then turns out it wasn't as – you know they weren't as hurt as they th- you thought they were, and so you know they managed to drag themselves off, and they'll come back later. You can have a cool resurrection arc if yeah. it's a fantasy game, <laughs> right? If, absolutely. If it's a game that uh, involves cloning or life model mm-hmm. decoys or anything like yeah. that, you can just talk to the player and be like, "Hey, what say your character was a uh, you know was was replaced and was this clone evil clone for like two two episodes, and we'll bring your character back because I didn't mean to kill you." 
Um, and now you've got this cool plot hook of like, you know, your life was taken over for a short time by this person. And where mm-hmm. were you when that all happened? And you can turn it into like a whole cool little story kind of thing. Just get the player on board. And that's actually a, a good point is um, another way to think about is if you're fixing these problems is that they can actually make the game better, right? Because like it's the, okay, now we have a new plot that wasn't even intended. And now we have a new thing we can play with. Um, so the idea of look, turning your mistakes as opportunities to add even more cool concepts to the game is something else that, that really needs to be considered. It's like, you know, hey, this is something I never would have thought of on my own. But now that we're here, what can we do with it? So, yeah, no, it, it's not always idea of let's fix this. This is a thing that's broken needs to be fixed, but rather now we have a new thing that adds to the tapestry of the story. You're also giving when you when you do these strategies, when you use them or or even implement safety tools like a script change safety tool which has like a pause, rewind, fast forward Mm -hmm. button. You are also giving permission for your players to admit and to use these strategies when they make mistakes, because there are, there's probably going to be more times when a player wishes they didn't do something than you did. In fact, like, Oh, I wish I didn't actually cast fireball in that hallway. I really should have thought about that beforehand. Can we, can we rewind and save those, those poor, poor, orphan puppies that (laughs) suddenly got (laughs) caught in the crossfire like whatever happened like you're giving them permission as well which is going to make for a better more fun game all around because we are Mm -hmm. actually then engaging in a narrative that is pleasing to everyone instead of a purely improvisational show which might not ever be if you have a purely improvisational show Often that can end up being completely unsatisfying with no arc, with no narrative beat. Right. Um, and they can be totally fun in the right circumstances, but I don't think that that's what everyone is looking for in their games. We we do want this this blend, this hybrid between my favorite anime and also I get to act it out in real time. Right. So yeah, it's it's. It, I think all these are great tools. Yeah, and we've, so I mean, we've actually mentioned a couple of them before on the show, but in different contexts. Like, what do you do when your players go off the rails? Oh, yeah. Put, yeah, put that set way. piece here. Craig says that a lot. Like, put that set piece. that They went that way? Okay, well, all the all the mummies in the library now, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, like, I, I think if you're in the middle of, okay, we've made a mistake, the best way to kind of diagnose it that I have found is to look at two criteria, which is what are the consequences of the mistake and how long ago was it made? Mm-hmm. Uh, if the con- if, if it's little to no consequence and very briefly, that's very simple. This is the, okay, you should take a three points of damage, actually six, adjust the number on your sheet. That's that category of, of mistake. If it's either high consequence, a character died, other uh, important character is gone, the, the setting has ultimately changed. Even if it's a short distance away, you could probably still undo that. Um, it's the, uh, you know, right after the combat, oh wait, I just noticed. So let's just narrate and say that you're down to two hit points instead of dead and move on. If it's small consequence, but long distance, uh, you could probably even then still, you know, it's the last session we're supposed to do X, now, you know, to, to Craig's point, okay, actually, you're secretly a clone. We can do a spin or just admit it and change it, move on. So really, what we're talking about is not all mistakes. We're talking about mistakes that have significant consequence and took place long enough in the past of the game that it's hard to kind of just push that rewind button and replay it. 
Um, and that's where we get into the uh, uh, fessing up, having a conversation, or putting a new thing in. So even when we're talking about this stuff, we're not talking about every mistake. We're talking about really a small subsection of mistakes. And I find myself thinking too about when you're planning and you, you know, you're 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 thinking, well, I think I'm going to do I'm I'm going to do this in the story, and this is a unique situation where the you know potential mistakes is like you think I'm maybe I introduce this. I'm not sure if it's going to fly in the moment. Like I, I this introducing this might not work. Might might be a bad idea, um, just because of how and when and what the you know what what's happening with the story and what the players' mm-hmm. moods are and everything at that time too. Is just plan a, like a contingency, like have something else in mind about how you could you get the ultimate goal that you're after without doing that thing that would have like this huge impact, but maybe it's just not right um, in the moment. Um, And that's more of a judgment call sort of thing. And I'm going to uh, take a hint or take a cue from Eddie and I'm going to wrap this right back around to professional wrestling. Um, And it was (laughs) what wrestle. It was one of the wrestle very early WrestleManias. It's the one where, where Hulk Hogan faced Andre the giant three. Um, Three. Sorry, I, I, I was, <laughs> I was so thinking that was the I one it was, I know that. but I didn't want to say it and be wrong. Um, <laughs> three, <laughs> but the and as we know, like you know, these things are kind of planned out. They they knew what they were planning to kind of do with the with the the match. It's just not sure how you're going to get there because the 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 wrestlers are mm-hmm. athletes and actors, and they're going to improvise and do different things. Um, and one of the things that had always hung over the the wrestling at the time was that nobody body slams Andre the Giant. He's too mm-hmm. big. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hulk Hogan is the number one big, huge wrestler. He's the face. He's the big, you know, every beloved, huge fan base. So if anybody should, it should be Hulk Hogan. But will mm-hmm. he be prepared to when he's in the middle of this wrestling match where he's winded and tired and this is going to be this long match and they want to give, you know, great show. And so they decided in the ring between the two of them, they were mm-hmm. planning not to do it. And then like when they get into the lockup and they're grabbing each other and the crowd's cheering and everything, they're talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Andre, uh, the story goes, one of the other, one of, one of the other of them said, I think we should do it. Mm-hmm. And, and Hogan felt like, I think I can, I can pull it off and not, you know, like screw this up and look like, look foolish. Cause I need to be the hero. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Andre was okay with it and trusted in that mm-hmm. moment, trusted Hogan to be able to do it without hurting himself or, or Andre, and that and that's the moment where Hulk Hogan picks up Andre the Giant and body slams him for the first yeah. time. Anybody, and I think only. I don't think anybody ever. No, no, it was the one. And, um, all, so, and even yeah, it that was clip. literally it was literally a contingency. Like we do this or we don't do this, and we'll yep. decide when we kind of get in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that. Um, even if you look at the clip, it's not great. I mean, you no, know, he, he's clear that Hogan's struggling. He's tired. Yeah, he's he's, right. he's wiped out. It's like 10, 15 minutes into the match and he's but he gets him off his feet and kind of turns him sideways and drops him. Um, right. But, yeah, um, but, but, you know, but they had but, to decide but, in that moment. Yeah, exactly. That moment. And, and to your point, also, like people still I mean, in fact, we're still talking about this match and that was 30 plus years ago. It's obviously an iconic match. No one remembers the 40 minutes of 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 fumbling to get to that moment um no one remembers the fact that like i said unless you look directly look at the clip it, it's it's a little dodgy and the players are the same way right like when they go back and tell the story about this game they're not gonna be like oh yeah and then we had to undo that mistake no they're gonna talk about but then this thing happened and it was so cool um so it 
as long as you can land the plane, if you will, um, <laughs> yeah. how the plane got to the sun, the, the strip is not going to be the, you know, how the, how Hogan got to body slamming Andre giant. No one cares about it. It's, it's the, it's the finish that matters the most of all. So if you're, it's okay to muddle the middle. Um, there's uh, been studies in psychology and one of the things they have found is that humans are really good at remembering the beginning and ends of things. Uh, and this has a couple of ramifications. Like, for example, if you look at a word, if you scramble the letters in the middle of a word, people can recognize that word more than if you scramble the beginning and end of a word. Uh, they'll still recognize it more. Similarly, um, one of the I use the Pomodoro method for work, um, which is you do 25 minute bursts because your focus is going to be on the task, the beginning and the end of the task. So if you do an hour of work or two hours of work, you're going to focus the beginning at the end of that one or two hour moment. But if it's every 25 minutes, you have more moments of focus, right? That's how humans are wired. Same thing with your storytelling sessions is, um, you know, they're going to remember how the campaign was awesome to start. And they're going to remember how the story ended and the stuff in the middle, there may be bits and pieces of things they pull out and talk about, but the connective tissue is going to slowly fade away. So if your mistakes fall into those connective tissue moments, yeah, don't, don't trust it. I think we have a very rare case on this episode that we have two topics that are the same, rectifying mistakes mm -hmm. for, for GMs and for game designers. And there is very little overlap in the types <laughs> of mistakes that you are yes. making. <laughs> Yes. As a GM and as a game designer. Uh, and now here's the thing about being a game designer. You make a mistake. You find that typo on page one and you are going to think about that for the rest of your life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are not going to forget. You are not going to forget that that exists. Um, let, let's talk. Let's switch topics a little bit and talk about rectifying mis our mistakes as game designers because um, I... I have a lot of those too. And I would I would like to get some tips, Eddie, if you could please help me. Oh god. <laughs> um uh change your name, move to a different country, go back to that one. That's, that's... <laughs> no, um the, the, again, hard they're... drive. <laughs> right, yeah. Oof. I was never here. Um the one piece that I do, I do think carries over is the uh, uh, how recently you made the mistake and how big of a mistake it is. That diagnosis still, I think, does apply from a design perspective. So, like, uh, again, if, you, if you're if you in the manuscript, you got it back from editing, and you see that the weapon damage should have been uh, a die 8, it's really a die 6. Um, okay, that sucks. Just change it. Move on, right? You have small consequence, small amount of window to, to fix it. Given how publishing is done these days, arguably you have a fairly long window to try to fix mistakes. Uh, so like, I mean, obviously there's, there's the writing stage, there's the editing stage, there's layout stage. Um, if you have, uh, uh, if, if it's just perpetually PDF, then you could fix it pretty much whenever. Um, it, and if you don't mind occasionally updating the POD files, but then that really, once you have a physical book somewhere out there, that's when you kind of run into the cap of how you can fix it, right? In terms of just adjusting the text. Uh, so once you get past that barrier, then the magnitude increases. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you you put something in the text that is just not okay. I mean, I could point to examples of like, you know, this was inadvertently offensive or this was problematic, and we could talk about those. But to help, because that's a, that's a, a muddy area. I want to yeah. pick an example that's a little more 
uh, uh, funny but still relevant, um, which is uh, I was working on Trinity Continuum Anima, and uh, minor spoilers for a game that is about to come out, but uh, one of the conceits of the game, it's a cyberpunk-style game, um, but one of the premises is that there is a large-scale MMO that everyone can tap into, and so there's 50% of the game is playing cyberpunk world, 50% of the game is playing a kind of fantasy game inside of a science fiction game, you know, isukai level of of, of gaming. And uh, so we built up this whole mystery about one of the races in the MMO, known as the Jahat, where there's something strange about them and that they are actually a component of something's going wrong in the MMO that affects the real world space of anima. And we got all the way through the Kickstarter. And so I noticed that nowhere in the book did I actually explain what the hell the Jahat were. <laughs> Just not there. That's a huge problem and a lot of our fans noticed that they're like hey are you saving that for another supplement and they were being blamed it's like I'm, maybe the mystery is that the players make it up or, or you know and like, no we we just screwed up um <laughs> so and i was like you know, that's a mistake on our part you know sorry about that and i wrote the missing thousand words made sure that the backers got it and it was sorted um but those things do happen right uh and so in that case it's the just admitting it and and rolling with it uh on the other hand uh there have been times like on pugmire for example where i have written things down and how they were in my head and how they on the page are a little different uh and people have asked me questions about it not realizing that it was a mistake just assuming it was a part of the game that just worked differently than their expectations and I will say on this podcast, I have lied to those people and said, yes, that was intended. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that is the only way you can save your pride. Like, right. I, I think that, that the, the idea that you would have gone through an entire game and not have explained this very important core concept mm. of the game. If, if you are listening and you find that unrealistic, consider how often a game designer is talking about their stuff. They're thinking about their stuff. This is so mm -hmm. integral. Like it's something that's so cool and so integral to their ideas that it's obvious to them as they're writing down. Oh yes, this, this, this what do you call them? The Jahan? Jahat, yeah. Okay. So like they are, they are just, you know, that this is who they are. Every time I'm writing about them, I know this and I am just taking it for granted that you know it too. Cause this is so obvious for me now. It's like, it's like saying that the world is round. Like yeah. it's so obvious don't you know this too <laughs> that is so i i would do this this is the kind of mistake right. i would do when i'm uh, writing absolutely it's it, it you know it 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 comes to so many things there's just so many things about the game that you're designing that is just second nature to you it's just something that you know you just you just know it from the get-go you, you establish this thing um and all it takes is to uh if you've got too few people looking at the thing and then if some people who are looking at it make an assumption like i was just fine i found myself thinking about eddie's example which was you know th that's something that an editor might pick out as they're going mm -hmm. through they might pick that yep. up but an editor might also just as easily look at it and go oh i know this is going to be a game line so this is clearly going to be something that they're going to fill in the gaps on down the road and so right. and never even bring it up mm -hmm. um as as a question that that could very easily happen so, uh, yeah, and it's one of those things that, like, if you can fix, you can fix. But also, I think it's a good idea. Give yourself permission 
recognize that there will be mistakes and that, you know, kind of come to terms with the idea that there's going to be problem there, 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 there may, there may well be mistakes um, in the game with, which is whether it's, you know, as simple as a typo kind of stuff um, editing stuff, or it's, you know, like I, I had a, somebody um, going through caper cyberpunk. I had somebody, a friend of mine, Chris, who is very, very conversant with capers. I had him go through and rebuild all the stat blocks. Look mm-hmm. at every stat block and make sure it all makes sense. Did I forget anything in any stat block? And he was going through that. And he also had to go back and look at some of the rules about how, uh, where it describes how to create these types of things, create this type mm-hmm. of creature, create this type of thing. And he went through thing and he pointed out something that was like, oh, you, you know, you, you described this like this, but you did it different in the stat block. And it was something, it was perfectly well-written. The editor yep. never would have picked up on it. Um, mm-hmm. And, but he picked up on it. And that's because I put somebody to look at 70 stat blocks. Um, but that could have easily slipped through if I had decided not to. And then among the other the other mistakes, there were little things. Like every every mistake, uh, I would say 80% of the mistakes he found, I would have been fine with just slipping through. Yeah. If they'd gone through and they'd been a little bit, a little bit off, I'd been like, okay, the, the creatures, that person's speed is the wrong number, whatever, fine. But and that, and that, that's a dirty secret, right? The, yeah, this was, oh, a, yeah, oh, all the time. Yeah, there's, you, you just have to come to, Give yourself permission, I think, is a is a, a big uh, lesson to take away if you're designing something that there will be mistakes. You can you, there comes a point where you have to decide, OK, you know, we, we we talk about this as designers all the time. Perfect is the enemy of great um, or even of good that you, you could go over and go over and go over and try to find a problem. Like I found a gigantic faux pas on, uh, and it was my own direction that was incorrect to the artist <laughs> for the cover art. Of caper cyberpunk, I had them put the wrong Megacorp logo on a specific iconic New York building that is described in the book as being owned by this other Megacorp, and didn't realize it for two months. Yep, but I gave them the wrong information. If you have a fan (laughs) that notices those kinds of things, though, you should consider that less of a mistake and more of a point of pride. You have people out there who know your game so well and they care so much about the book that they flip back to the cover and they think, hold on a minute. Hold on one second. They say something different here. Clearly, clearly something is wrong. If they notice that that little thing is wrong that you didn't notice, that's a fan right there. You have a fan. You don't have a mistake. You have a fan. Absolutely. (laughs) And um, now, now to be fair, brief uh, digression, but this also is the reverse, right? Like sometimes things that are believed to be mistakes are intentional, and that can be a challenging conversation to have. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, the, the I, have, I have two kind of, of stories, one funny and then one a little more serious. The, the funny one is uh, um, out in, on Trinity Continuum Aberrance, um, we're it's a side little thing about how the the church views superheroes and, and superheroic beings, um, and that then there was a comment about the papal bull that was released in regards to Novas, um, and I had someone who was adamant saying, "No, you're talking about a papal bill," and I'm like, "No, it, it's called a bull. That's when when the Pope releases a doctrine, it's called a bull. That's a very it's a very important thing. I I know that you think it's a typo, but I swear to you, it's not. That's really a thing that exists. Um, uh, but you know, I also have. Uh, had people like again with with the first edition of Pugmire because it was closer to Dungeons and Dragons in design. Uh, plenty of people who came in and they said, you know, oh well, the, in in D D the rule is this, and so obviously it's a mistake. It's or 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 this rule is missing. It's like no, that that's intentional. I I I I want this to be. I don't want it to be exactly like D and want it to be similar to D and sometimes I made changes because 
I feel there have been some design decisions made in D and D that are I don't like and or genuinely are problems, and so I've gotten rid of them. Uh, so that can sometimes be a challenge, and particularly if you are vocal about how you design. Sometimes people are then reluctant to bring up things because, oh, that's probably what you intended then. That's not a mistake. So, so there's a there's an interesting hat and mouse kind of happening there at times. Uh, but you know, to your point, uh, Craig, um, there are absolutely mistakes that have happened in games. I've looked at them and I've gone, I will worry about that in the next edition. It's just not worth the effort to fix at this point. That's do we all know? Do we all know the wizard? Yes, we all know <laughs> the <laughs> wizard. Um. For people, if if you think you made a mistake or you think you might make a mistake, understand that there is a for anybody out there who doesn't know, there's a famous story of a of a D and D book. Um, it was one of the magic or uh, it was it was a was that magic was, compendium or a spell spell compendium? Spell no, compendium. I, I I think it was the AD and D second edition spell compendium. Yeah, it was a spell compendium where they had an electronic file file, and um, in the process of designing and everything, um, they uh got rid of the word mage and changed mage to wizard. Mm -hmm. um, and so at, in kind of in the 11th hour, while editing this manuscript electronically, they had somebody go through and do a find replace of mage and change it into wizard so that every, in the end, and nobody put eyes on it afterwards, in the end, every single um, example of something dealing 2d6 damage now deals 2d6 the wizard and it's through the entire book yep um <laughs> that amazing that if if nothing else if you ever make like again accept the fact that mistakes are going to happen if you ever make a mistake that is that or or even you know relative to the scale of the stuff that you like this big huge thing you can also own it and just make it a great story like that's that's a story that like many 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 gamers know because yeah, or, people read or, that and were like what the hell and they you know somebody pieced it together and then they got confirmation and now it's become this thing that just spreads over the internet and at conventions and so forth yeah uh, uh white wolf got so notorious about not going back and checking all of their page references um that page xx became kind of a running meme yep <laughs> to the point where when we did the 20th anniversary edition of vampire i specifically asked to have one he written in Roman numerals on the spine as XX, and <laughs> hundreds of people are like, "I get what you did there, right?" I mean, so it, it's, it's become a beloved thing, even though it's clearly an ongoing mistake. I, I mean, I make a lot of mistakes as like in game design. It's really just me and my husband. We we do basically everything for our games, and when that happens, when you have two people doing all of the work, there there's way more of a chance that someone's going to make a mistake. We also oh, yeah. we have the I mean, it's one of it's one of the obstacles we have um, as designers, um, but it's also a benefit that we don't do large scale print runs. I'm gonna start taking and calling myself we're we're a boutique style nice. RPG nice. company. <laughs> we we do very short run artisanal um, games, artisanal, artisanal games. bespoke boutique, <laughs> Ooh, bespoke. That's a good one. Role playing games, and where we are, <laughs> we are running out of our initial run of Moonpunk. And Moonpunk has become a fairly popular game. 
Um, mm -hmm. Most people, I mean, you can buy it print on demand and a lot of people do it that way, but the ones that we had printed out ahead of time that we were like using to send conventions and for distribution, we're out of those. We're almost out of those. And now what that means is I get to go back and I get to make it, I get to fix some of the mistakes that I noticed that I have mm -hmm. never spoken to people about and no one has ever pointed out to me, um, but I, that are glaringly obvious every time I run this game and I'm so, so excited about it. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this, yeah. Jess, real quick. People who have the first printing of Moonpunk and see a second printing of Moonpunk down the road are going to see the change and they are going to say, ah, I am such a fan. And I, I knew Moonpunk before yes. it was cool. Yes. I have the first printing with the such and such error in it. Yes. And you will that. have a little like, you know, a little point of pride again that somebody's going to be like, you know, I've got this thing that doesn't exist anymore. That right. there's a limited uh, number of. <laughs> and, 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 and that's absolutely true because uh, just recently, um, one of the Exalted books we worked on, uh, it went all the way to to layout with um, an error in it. Uh, it. It got the POD out, and then the error was noticed, and, it, and so we we quickly turned around and got it fixed like within a month. And we were getting people saying, "Can you tell us the exact date you're going to change it? Because I want to buy the." Errot, the the issue with the error in it. They specifically were wanting. The <laughs> I love the that. Error. It's so funny. I love that. Oh, my my least favorite mistakes though are the layout design mistakes. I do layout for us, mm. and I take a lot of time to do it. I like to make things look nice. I am very particular about how I like things laid out. Um, but what that means is that if there needs to be a change, I have to reopen the files. All of that for the means of magic something happened with our files and like all of my layers got rearranged. So like my master oh. layers were like not where they were supposed to be like in the mm. actual arrangement. And we sent out a proof. We had to like make a change to something and we got another proof and it came back. And I noticed like, why, why is this image not here on this page? Like what's going on with all of this? So I had to go back through and fix everything and find everything. And there's still one portion in the book and i can see it every time i open up this dang book i can see <laughs> where i didn't fix this in this in the in the third proof that we had done i can't wait until i can fix that one too like ooh, it's gonna be so satisfying for me when i can go back in and be like now now the image and the text are where they have to be <laughs> maybe no one else noticed it but i can see it so obviously it was to the point where alex after we got like one of the proofs he's like do you want me to tell you the mistake i found <laughs> Which is just as good as just telling me the mistake. Like at that point, just don't tell me that you found one. <laughs> right. Maybe I would have never noticed. Oh man, I I also like there's in the grand scheme of things too. So same thing like Eddie was mentioning. You are probably unless you are very very lucky. This is probably not your only job, and you're not making fistfuls of money doing yeah, it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. even if you were making fistfuls of money. Wizards of the Coast, the fistfuls of money guys, they are mm. making mistakes hand over foot. They are making mistakes all the time. And also they, like you said too, Eddie, some of their incredibly important game components are, in many of our opinions, one big mistake. And they are of millions and millions of dollars. So you can do it too. You, you, you're fine. You're making a mistake. Like, who cares? In the grand scheme right, of things, you're not you are not murdering anyone with your typo. Exactly, like you know, I mean, just every every time you worry about your mistake, just remember you didn't make Spelljammer Fifth Edition. You're fine. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Um, a note on kind of uh, tying back to my 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 
comment at the end of the design discussion, which was like, you know, if you're if you're putting something into the game, this is getting into like rules mistakes, like just like making the wrong choice for how something is designed game wise, or you know, what what the rule is and everything. Um is, you know, you can you I talked about having contingencies, having contingencies in place for 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 dealing with that. And I have actually done this. If you look at some of my game books, in particular, Capers has a bunch of this because that was the first time that I was kind of getting into a rule system that um, wasn't dice based. It was an early, early design of mine and was a you know playing card based. So I was like, I was very unsure of certain things about the mechanics. I was, I felt like they were probably pretty good, but you know, like it was, I, I didn't have 20 years of experience with dice games or with card yeah. playing card games that I did have with dice games. Um, so when I wasn't sure how to, how to treat something, I put it in an alternate house rule. <laughs> I just, yeah. I just put it in a box and said, here's an alternate way to do this thing which was actually me at the time of deciding this just needs to be done and go out is I'm not sure if option a or option B is the right thing for this situation. I'm leaning this way a little bit. I'll make that the rule and I'll put this other thing in there as an optional and explain why a GM might want a player group might want to use that rule. Um, And that way you don't end up getting saddled with like a rule that just obviously does it, you know, doesn't jive as well or do doesn't quite serve what you were trying to do. Yeah, and over time, one of those rules will float to the top, and then you could either make one of those official rule in the next edition, or the community yep. will just recognize, yeah, we nobody ever uses option B, we always use option A. It's like, okay, cool, yeah, that's fine. Eddie, do you have any final thoughts on making mistakes? Uh, just own it, right? Like, to me, perfect art is boring, and that's for any kind of art. Uh, uh, the more polished and seamless it is, the less interesting it is. I find art is more interesting when there are bits that are unexplained or bits that just don't quite make sense. So, and there, yes, there's going to be people online who are outraged because of the mistake you made. There are people online who are going to be, you know, may, maybe even refused to buy your game because of a mistake you made it, that, that may happen, but they're very, 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 very small. Um, it is much more likely that the only person who knows and cares about the mistake is going to be you. And that's valid, and that's that's something that that is is, is okay to kind of, of internalize. Um, but don't assume that your game has failed just because there are errors in it. it. If nothing else, you can learn from them and do better on your next game. For yep, for every one person that is vocal about a mistake that you made, there's a hundred people that are like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, it worked, it's, fine. It. it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. It's all good. What you said reminded me of a superstition in fiber arts and knitting and crocheting is that if if your sweater or your finished object does not have at least one mistake in it, then if someone dies while wearing it, their soul will become trapped in it. So, (laughs) so you, some people will purposefully put a mistake in one of the stitches of their, of their projects, just like, you know, it was a little nod to the superstition. So I don't know, maybe if your game is perfect, if someone dies playing it, their soul is going to become trapped in it, isekai style, which could be cool or it could be terrible. So. (laughs) No, that's great. From now on, I'm going to tell people that all those mistakes are intentional. I put those (laughs) in intentionally. (laughs) To protect you. (laughs) Right. This is the service I do for you. That typo saved your life. (laughs) <laughs> well, make putting putting that in there incorrectly was all part of the grand ritual of creating a game. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody does it. I'm just following in my forebear's footsteps. <laughs> uh, Eddie, where can we find you and your stuff? 
Um, the best place to find me uh, these days is my website. Um, uh, my, my personal website is Pugsteady, which is spelled P-U-G-S-T-E-A-D-Y. Um, that's also a name I use on some social media sites. I'm still settling out uh, the, the post-Twitter landscape on where that is. Um, uh, but really, most places you can find me is on Discords. I tend to hang out on either the Onyx Path Discord or the Darker Hue Discord. Those are the main places I hang out these days. Thank you for joining us again. No, thank you for having me on. I'm always, it's always fun to sit and chat with you all because I always come in going, I don't know what I'm going to say. And then afterwards, it's like, it's been an hour already. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to, before I get into my stuff, I want to give a shout out to somebody on Twitter. Ethan Yen made a game, made a one page RPG. <laughs> yeah. Based off of our last episode with Matthew Orr about burnout. The game is called Creative Grind. And you can find Ethan's Twitter at, at e-t-h-n-y-e-n ethan yen without the a in it so if you want to check out this this little one pager solo game on creative grind and burnout i thought that that was so cool that's amazing love it um i'll retweet that online read the comments too there are there are discussions about how you could expand the rules and everything too it's so (laughs) cute i love it so thank you ethan that was so fun to see this morning you can find me on twitter at at joska i'll retweet that if you follow me you then you can find ethan's um post as well and uh you can find my games at wannabegames.com or on drive through rpg or itch under wannabe games uh and you can find me at nerdburger craig on the various uh social medias uh, my website is nerdburgergames.com, and you can find everything at drivethroughrpg.com. If you want any of the fancy, nice offset print run versions of the books, they cost the same as the print on demand um, for uh, Capers, Good Strong Hands, and Code Warriors. You can get those at the, the web store on the website. So, yeah. Thank you to our opening and closing theme song, which is Avel by Steph Sachs, licensed under Creative Commons. Thank you, Steph Sachs, and thank all of you for listening. We'll see you back here next time. Bye. Oh, Bye. and me and Jess oh. are all, me and Jess will be at uh, 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 PAX Unplugged. Oh, I won't be there, Eddie, but my stuff will oh, no. be there. Okay, your stuff will be there. I'll be there. <laughs> Eddie, are you at PAX Unplugged? No, sadly, it's too far over the ocean right now for me. <laughs> Just Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting. <laughs> you used to live relatively near me. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and now so I anymore. moved all the way to, to London. But I will be at Dragon Meet in December if people want to find me in London. There you go. Ooh. Vacation. <laughs> okay, now for real, goodbye. Bye.